Maybe not. I'll just hang up. <laughs> Welcome to an inquiry into freedom with your hosts Ron and Alan. So, uh, been a few, uh, quite a few interesting days since we last spoke, and I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm going to just start with this. For the first time, Mr. Biden spoke about the classified documents that the FBI found in former President Trump's home. The Justice Department has opened a criminal investigation. Have you been briefed, sir, on the top secret documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago? No. No one has come to you to warn you that important national security secrets were revealed by the storage of those documents at the former president's home. I have not personally spoken to anyone on that in that I've never had this happen. Um, but they're uh, maybe they're throttling back my uh, viewing of this video or playing of this video because it's buffering. Um, oh. I don't, I have very good internet, so so the fact that uh, that's even a, an issue is kind of odd. No conspiracy theories here. Uh, just because they seem to be listening to us every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, well. So, so this is uh, Joe Biden um, discussing the, the raid on mar-a-lago and the trump documents um um what's the date on this three months ago on 60 minutes and have you heard um he has some uh classified document issues of his own right now yeah big surprise oh yeah uh, because, you know, Democrats don't do anything wrong. And yeah. so the media has, has <laughs> like they always do, the mass media, the propagandists are uh, going around saying, oh, well, this was a mistake and he didn't mean to do it on purpose. And there's a difference. Um, he, yeah, there is a difference. Here's the difference. The president of the United States can declassify anything he wants to. He doesn't even have to tell anybody uh, because he has that power. The vice president of the United States does not. And the propagandists on television can go jump off a bridge because whatever they say and however they say it and however they want to spin it, you can cover it up as much as you want to, just like you're doing the whole Hunter Biden laptop thing. And by the way, we're not interested in, in a special counsel on Hunter Biden and what Hunter Biden did. We're interested in what Joe Biden did. And his son happens to hold all the evidence. And the laptop that they can't seem to find has all the evidence. So we care less about Hunter. Uh, isn't it the whole Biden crime family, though? Isn't it Joe's brother and Joe and Joe's son and Joe's wife? And well, yeah, I think I think it's a, a conspiracy between all of them, but all of them aren't politicians, and and 
you know, they 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 may be held accountable, but differently than the clown in chief that we have currently. Yeah, I just figure if it's illegal, it's illegal. I mean, I don't really care who it is. Um, you know, I, I think to an extent, it's like, I don't think people should be targeted because their father or mother is a politician, but I don't think they should be exempt either. So, like, I thought it was wrong to go after Trump's kids just because they were Trump's kids. Right. And I think it's wrong to not go after Hunter Biden because he's Hunter, he's Joe Biden's son, and he's clearly done stuff that is, uh, at least it sure looks like it's illegal. So, I mean, I, I just don't see how they cannot investigate it. What, I don't even care if it's publicly knowable, you know, if they don't even uh, tell people that they're investigating him. But to have have that laptop sitting there at the FBI all that time and nobody even looks at it. With China's. That's bullshit. Yeah, no, I don't I don't disagree. All yeah. I'm all I'm saying is is that uh, Hunter is the avenue to get to the truth about his father. Now, how you want to deal with that? If you want to deal with that as a separate issue, a separate issue, then by all means do so. Um but our DOJ, our DOJ has opened a criminal investigation uh, against Donald Trump and, and, and a special counsel to investigate Donald Trump when it comes to these supposed top-secret uh, documents. But in this case, and he was the president. And, and again, he, he can declassify whatever he wants to. Yeah. And he doesn't have to say. That's point number one. Point number two is this. It's not like Donald Trump was, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, in an organization as upper management, and they said, clear out your desk, you need, you're fired, you need to go home, you know, leave the building. And he starts picking up, you know, his files or his papers or his personal belongings, and he starts putting them in a cardboard box and his little plant, his little picture of his kids and all this other stuff, like someone normal you know, would, would have to do if they got fired. Um, Donald Trump has assistants and aides and people who do things for him. He's the president of the United States. He's not packing his own documents in his own boxes. People are doing that for him. So if you want to use the excuse of, oh, it was a mistake uh, for a vice president who didn't have the authorization to declassify his underwear. Um, you can't do that. No. I mean, how would how would someone on 60 Minutes even know that it was a mistake anyway? Well, this is three months ago. So the, the narrative oh. on, on the okay. media today and, and their manipulation and their propaganda to spin uh, the, the story that has broke about um, mumbles the clown, and his his uh, uh, possession of classified documents is that it was a mistake and an accident, and he didn't know about it. 
Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you something from somebody who was in the military that had a top secret security clearance, that if I mistakenly took one piece of paper home with me or had it in my pocket and left wherever my secure area was on accident or mistake or by mistake, you know what would happen? <laughs> yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me assure there, yeah. you that my <laughs> ass would have been in some deep trouble. And, and yeah. maybe, maybe I'm not the vice president. Maybe I'm not the president of the United of the United States, but it does not matter when you're, when it comes to the handling of classified documents. So, to, to make the, 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 the distinguish the difference between what they are accusing Trump of and what Vice President at the time uh, Mumbles the Clown did, it, it's, not even, it's not even remotely in the same ballpark. No. And for them to say, oh, it was a mistake and he didn't really mean to do it. Um, it, it was a, it wasn't a mistake when Hillary Clinton deleted 33,000 emails either, was it? <laughs> no. Right. I mean, it's the same bullshit over and over yeah. again. And, and, yeah, and yeah, I saw some clip of her, I guess it was yesterday. Uh, and she said, uh, let's see, it was some speech somewhere. Oh, and she says, uh, no one is above the law. Yeah. They always say that. Talking about Trump, and I'm like, really? Well, aren't you the hot call in the kettle black? Yeah, for because, sure. Yeah, talk about someone who's basically done nothing but break the law for a number of years. Uh, yeah, it's just hard to believe that this stuff's going on. I mean, it it's it's basically we're Brazil now, you know. We're heading to we're heading to be just like Brazil. We're yeah, aspiring I, to be Brazil. Yeah. And 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 how the propagandists uh, have have manipulated what happened in Brazil, um, you know, uh, comparing it to what happened on January sixth, and and it was a threat to democracy, and you know what I'm going to tell you this. And um, I'm just tired of hearing how many threats to our democracy there are. When you see people do what they did, whether it's on January 6th or whether it's in Brazil, um, the threat to democracy is not the people who are rising up. The people know, the people know what the actual threat to democracy is. And and this is this is what bothers me about when when there is civil unrest, whether it be in the United States or Brazil or any other country. The first thing they go to is these people are insurrectionists, these people are threats to democracy. It's the government, okay, we have the mass media propagandists and then we have the government media propagandists they all sing the same tune and and what they are doing is trying to convince a whole group of people who don't understand uh why someone is upset and why they're doing what they're doing by calling them or labeling them insurrectionists or threats to dem to, de to democracy 
when they're the very threat. Oh yeah. They they are the ones that are the threat. And 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 people who who recognize it and uh see what's going on are, are like, wait a minute, we're not we're not putting up with this. You know, we ha- we have we have some grievances that you need to to redress. And since you won't peacefully uh, listen to those grievances, and and you won't give us the opportunity to to petition you, we we have to take you know alternate routes to get to that point. But they'll turn around and spin it and say, "Oh, these people are a threat to democracy." Get the hell out of town. Yeah, well, they've been ignoring the story until something's happening in the streets. So the press is basically, not basically, they have completely missed all of the context of what's going on there. And then they take what's going on and then they try to build a story around it when they've, they've missed the story. Because they haven't been covering it. Yeah. I mean, the same thing's going on in France. It's going on in other places. It's not just Brazil. It's just Brazil's the latest because they just had an election that got uh, completely screwed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was basically like Atlanta uh, times 10. I mean, just completely messed up. But the press hasn't covered it at all that I'm aware of. Even... Even Fox and Newsmax that I saw, I mean, I mean, I don't watch that stuff, as you know, much, but it's like, it seems like it would be all over the place, that you just couldn't miss it. That, right. Well, you know, but the press is just, it's like they have an agenda, and, uh, and I, I'm glad that I have figured it out. You know, I'm not sitting around scratching my head at what's going on. I, I know what's going on. I, what I'm trying to figure out or what I'm concerned about is what can I do about it? Right. Because someone who's, someone who's 30 doesn't have the background, the knowledge to know what is happening right now. It just feels funny. Uh, or maybe it doesn't seem strange at all because they've gotten out of college and they've worked a few years and it's like, you know, they, you know, don't really understand it. But to really understand it and see that what we have is the the last uh, major economy in the world is uh, we, we have fallen to Marxism here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have a lot of us who are not Marxists, but Marxists are in control of this country. There should not be any doubt about that. And uh, I don't really know what to do about it. But, I mean, I guess I I think about uh, the last year that Rush Limbaugh was alive. And I didn't listen to him much. I don't listen to anyone very much. But... Um, he, I recall the last year he was alive, he said something about, trust me, the, we have not fallen to the Marxists or leftists yet. We still, 
We still outnumber them. We're still a center-right country. And the way, the way the governance is going, we are not. We're controlled by Marxists. Now, I do believe we're a center-right country. It's just, as we've discussed, we have some serious problems with election in major cities and their precincts. And I don't know how to wrest those away from the control of the, of the machines that have control of them, uh, because that's how the elections are getting fixed. That's, that's what's happened in Brazil. Well, and the question becomes, and I've, I've asked this question before, so, so if there is a, uh, a group of people that, that march up to the Capitol or, or do what they did in Brazil, because, because we, can't, we can't petition our government, not in the way that, that you and I are trying to convey through our podcast that a ton of people, a group of people, and it doesn't have to be a ton, but a group of people put together some grievances and then, and then we take them to our government and say, Hey, here's, here's what we got. We want you to, to, to listen to what we have to say. We want you to redress these grievances and, and we want solutions because if, if you begin to march to the Capitol, what are they going to do to you? Like if they see a, a, a group of people, say a hundred people, walking up to the Capitol, are, are they going to automatically assume that, they're, that we are going there and attempting to enter the Capitol to cause harm? And we don't even get in, in, in the front door? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would venture to guess... Uh, based on the fact that uh, until the Republicans took over the House, it was on lockdown. So the, one of the first things that they voted on in the House was to remove metal detectors in the building uh, to go onto the, the floor of the House. Really? Yeah. The second thing on their uh, uh, immediate agenda was to reopen the house. Nobody has been allowed, the public has not been allowed to go into the people's house since January 6th. <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't know that. I didn't. That building belongs to us. Yeah. I, I don't care if... If there was a hundred or five thousand or a, a half a million people that tried to go into the people's house, and and you have, um, I'm going to play some more video uh, or some more audio clips here of of some of these Marxist ridiculous people um that that are pushing this propaganda and i think you know part of the answer that we're looking at ron is that the, the, a lot of this stuff is being done on purpose and we know that yeah and they want a one party system the 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 marxists want a one party system period and they they are they're succeeding at that um because the way that they twist everything 
including the uh, the vote for Speaker of the House. And and I'll play some audio regarding that. And, and just listen to their language and listen to what they say. And you can't help but notice what they're trying to do. Um, I want to finish playing this. Um, uh, and I, I know we don't like to use the H word on this show. Uh, but I want to play this, the the uh the remainder or or start again and and play this little sound bite from the 60 minutes interview with uh joe biden regarding donald trump's uh supposed criminal um criminal actions regarding these classified documents about the classified documents that the fbi found in former president trump's home the Justice Department has opened a criminal investigation. Have you been briefed, sir, on the top secret documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago? No. No one has come to you to warn you that important national security secrets were revealed by the storage of those documents at the former president's home? I have not personally spoken to anyone on that, in that regard. I'm sure my administration is aware of all of that, and so is the National Security Council, but I am not. Were you notified of the FBI's execution of a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago? No, not ahead of time. The FBI spread the documents out on a floor to make a record of what was found. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself? looking at that image. How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. <laughs> and I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. And you don't know what was in those documents? I have not asked for the specifics of those documents because I don't want to get myself in the middle of whether or not the Justice Department should move or not move on certain actions they can take. I, I've agreed I would not tell them what to do and not, in fact, engage in telling them how to prosecute or not. Interesting. So I wonder, I wonder if he was asked the same question by the same individual on how the Department of Justice should should or should not move on a investigation, criminal charges, uh, and uh, a special counsel when it comes to the documents that, that they found in a closet, which, by the way, uh, the documents that were seized from Trump they, they had been in negotiations on, on those documents and were in a locked room guarded by the Secret Service. Right. These documents were, were in... Uh, I have a closet in my master bedroom and uh, there's not a lock on it. And it's not guarded by anyone except for me. Um, these were... Uh, who, I don't know exactly where these were in, in some think tank. Um, well, isn't that the biggest contradiction in terms ever? The Joe Biden think tank? Yeah, we should never say those words in in the same sentence ever. 
Yeah, how how shallow can that tank be? I mean, I I'm thinking it's like shallower than a pie tin. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a a, a a tablespoon might be too his, deep of thinking for him. His think tank is about the size of a thimble. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> the that's what I I. I must admit, I hardly heard a word after the Joe Biden think tank because I'm like, huh? Really? Yeah. Joe Biden, a think think, huh? Yeah. And I just, yeah, I was just shocked. So I just must have missed it all. So, but I understand there's like 10 pages or something like that, whatever. Well, what was, uh, what was in the, in those documents were things you, uh, Imagine that pertaining to Ukraine, Iran, <laughs> and the UK that we know of. Yeah, I understand that he had several things from Iran, and I don't know why people aren't just incredibly concerned about the Democrat Party in Iran. Um, for some reason, they're fine with being cozy with those people. Um, and I've just never understood it. Um, well, you, you you heard the story that uh, maybe that uh, the drones um, that were used uh, in Ukraine. No, I'm sorry. The drone, some of the drones used by Iran... In, in some area, I can't. I, I think they were sold to. I think Iran supplied Russia with some drones. Right. The parts in those drones were made in America. Well, yeah. So I mean, we're 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 doing deals. We're doing deals with terrorist organizations and 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 you know, state terrorists such as Iran, all the time. I'd like to know yep. who it is that are doing those deals, who's signing off on them, who's approving them, and what companies are involved. We we, we the, should know that and information. The and the banks, because those banks should, uh, should not be allowed to do business. No, it's you funny. Know, it's you know, and 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 it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, you know some. Some of the sanction that sanctions that were put on Russia were, you know, they couldn't do uh, business with certain banks and stuff like that. And I get right. it, and, and and you know that's probably a good idea. Um, but but why don't we know this information? That's not top secret. As a matter of fact, that should all be public. And how th- there's people that you know do outside investigations and stuff like that. Why they're not investigating all this information? Uh, and maybe they are. We just haven't heard it yet. But, I mean, for us to be providing uh, Russia or uh, Iran with any kind of technology and equipment to put in drones or, or selling them, whatever it is that it, it takes to, you know, manufacture those things, we, why are we doing that? That's the enemy. Yeah. Well... You know, if the, if the government is going to do things that are illegal, then it cannot be surprised that the the people in the country do things that are illegal and thumb their nose at the government. And 
and that there's disrespect for classified material too. I mean, I don't know how many people there are in the country that have uh, <clears throat> top secret or secret or even compartmentalized access um, designations, but there's a lot of them. Uh, and a lot of those folks should not have them, but they give them out like candy. And I don't know, like, I, I guess I have the same response to Biden and his classified material as I do to Trump. Big freaking deal. I mean, it, until the, until the uh, National Archives got involved in the middle of uh, collecting some of that stuff. And, and let's face it, Trump signed the, signed the law that gave them that access. Uh, this just wasn't an, even an issue. You know, presidential archives were presidential archives, and they took with them what they wanted when they left office. And I just don't see that it's a big deal, personally. Um, now, if there's some uh, H-bomb material in there or something that is going to, you know, India or something, then fine. Let's get excited about it. But you know, there's more serious. Well, I guess what I'm after here is there's more serious things going on than whether or not uh, Joey, Joey the clown, has material like that. And the same thing with Trump. Who cares? He was president, man. And he he can like you're saying he can declassify things. Well, just because, he, just because the agency didn't want to doesn't mean that he didn't have the right to declassify. Well, and I think I I agree with you 100%. The problem that we have is that the Democrats made a huge deal out of it and made yeah. a, a criminal referral and then appointed right. a special counsel. Well, it, it's not that big a deal because he's the president and he can do whatever he wants uh, yeah. within reason, but he could declassify whatever he wants. And he doesn't even have to announce it, right? Because he's the president. The, the, the difference here is that as the president, he has the, the authority to do that. By Vice president at the time, Joe Biden did not. And so if you're going to make a big deal of the president supposedly breaking the law and a criminal investigation and a special counsel, well then, what's good for the goose is good for the idiot. Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree at all. It's just that my personal attention isn't on any of that. No, because, and it shouldn't be. Because, again, yeah. I had made the, the comment that it's not like he was packing his own boxes, his own, his own suitcases, you know, to leave. Right. And, and he accidentally or on purpose put those documents in a box and said, I'm taking these with me because, by gosh, I'm Donald Trump. You know, some, some there were there was probably a staff of people that were doing that, and 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 if you want to claim a mistake or by accident, then then why can't he? I didn't pack that box. I don't. Some some personal assistant did that, or you know, one of my staff members did, because he's not doing that. I mean, he's probably long gone. You know what I'm saying? You know, Donald Trump's not going to move from. From New York 
to Florida and pack a U-Haul up on his own and move his shit from New York to Florida. Well, that's for sure. So, so it's the same thing with moving out of the White House and taking whatever belongs to him. He's having other people do that for him. He, he, he's Donald Trump. He's a billionaire. He, he has the money to do that. He has the, the power and the authority to have other people do those things that us normal people would have to do on our own. So Joe Biden, to, to be fair, uh, has the same power and authority, and I'm sure he didn't personally pack those documents into a box and haul them to the the unthink tank. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? The incapable of thinking tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... So, to make this such a huge deal, either for Trump or for Biden, you're right. It shouldn't be a huge deal. There are other pressing issues, just like the huge deal they made out of 15 rounds to finally uh, appoint Kevin McCarthy Speaker of the House. Yeah. That we have, have talked about. And, and guess what? So, they made a big deal. I'm going to play this... Um, this ignorant group of women who uh, apparently um, have lifelong periods. Kevin McCarthy, remember him? He couldn't get elected to do anything. No. He was struggling to become speaker. It was dragged on past midnight Friday night. And after last-minute deals, more concessions, and a near brawl, he finally <laughs> grabbed the gavel. You know, if that had been uh, any of us, people would have lost their mind. <laughs> but given how this particular clown show has played out, do you have any hope, any hope at all, that they will actually do any business, get no. any business? To... No. Okay, next. No. All right. I mean, it was just... <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know, me, you know, it was this, the, it was so uncivilized when he's like lunging at him and grabbing at him. I mean, the Republicans like to use identity politics and they like to talk about thugs a lot and they like to talk about other people. I saw a lot of thuggishness going on. I saw thugs at work. Um, I saw this uncivilized nature and um, it's like they were raised by wolves, many of them. And so I wonder, if you're doing that in the chamber on the House floor, how do you expect to govern and lead by example? That's something I wouldn't want to see my kids do. And they were doing it. Two of the dumbest human beings to ever exist. Are we sure they're human? I use that term loosely. Oh, okay. Well, now I don't doubt that they're loose. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, they're on they they don't have monthly periods. They have lifelong periods because they're very bitter, bitter people. Um and for for gosh, I even hate to use either of their names, but for them to say they looked thuggish and um uncivilized, man, where were you during the riots? That's uncivilized. Yeah. That's thuggish. Um, what we saw, and in my opinion, what we saw happen 
with the Speaker of the House is the first time that we have ever got to see any action out of our government whatsoever. And I'm going to tell you something. Again, this is my opinion. If, if a guy lunges at somebody because he says something stupid or uh, isn't, isn't doing what he said he was going to do or what he promised, so what? That's men being men. And, you know, when you're, when you're sitting in, in, in the same room for hours upon hours upon hours and you're having conversation after conversation regarding the same thing, you're going to get a little frustrated. I, I, I've yet to see a Democrat do anything that took any guts. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with what, with what happened. You know what? I, if, if he'd have punched him and laid him out, well, you know, maybe he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but he, but he I says, guess I, I didn't see this, though. Was there some sort of a yelling match or something? So uh, on the final, on the 14th vote, um, Matt Gates uh, voted present. And so they, they were going to adjourn until Monday. And apparently they, they had already came to their final negotiations. And there were, on the 14th vote, he was supposed to be appointed Speaker of the House. Uh, and apparently that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, they, the, the, the ones that there were five people that voted present. And of those five people, they were all sitting together. And um, can't remember the other representative who, who approached him. And they started saying some words back and forth. <clears throat> and he went towards him. And another representative grabs him from behind and puts his hand over his mouth and pulls him away. Well, so what? I mean, there was there was no fighting occur that, that that occurred. There was no punches thrown. There were some words said, and they they interviewed uh, Tim Burchett from from Tennessee, and uh, after it happened, and and he said, "Look, some tempers flared," and you know, and he and and the guy interviewing him said, "Well, what did he actually say?" And he said uh, something about um, we're not uh, we're not splitting that pizza tonight, like I promised. And he said, come on, you know, was it, was it bad and nasty? And he said, let me assure you I've been doing this for a very long time. And what, he, what happened between those two is nothing uh, close to what I have seen happen between two people that work in our government or more. Hmm. And, and sure, uh, it depends on what you consider nasty. But I've heard a lot worse. And so here we are. Again, with with propagandists manipulating things into, you know, other things. They want you to believe, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I disagree by saying, man, at least we got to see some action and we, we got to see our government at work. There's people now, and I don't know if, if, if you've ever seen this, but there are people. So C-SPAN is the one that had all the cameras and they, and they had multiple cameras positioned around the, the floor of the house. They, oh, they, I remember when C-SPAN used to have legit things on it. I didn't even know it was still in business. Okay. So, yeah. So, so, um, 
Well, I mean, nobody ever watches it because what no. what they've done is they've created a house rule that says they can only show a certain part of the house. They can't show they can't show the members and the gallery and any of that other stuff. So they, <laughs> I was watching something the other day. It was either on uh, on on the internet or uh, it might have been on on television. And there was a speech <laughs> years ago when they used to do that, like you're talking about. And they had all these cameras positioned, and and it's a C-SPAN uh, uh, archive of Newt Gingrich giving a speech about something that the House was going to vote on. Do you know how many members were in the House when he gave that speech? Oh, there's rarely anyone. There were zero members. He He's yeah. literally... He's he's standing there at the podium, facing you know where the House Speaker or the representatives would sit, and he's giving this speech and he's looking around as if he's talking to people that are actually there and there's nobody there, so that's why they changed the rules that there's only certain cameras and they focus on certain areas and the rest they don't get to film they don't get to display, yeah. well. It's a prime example of our government not functioning correctly because they're never there. Uh, during COVID, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, and the Democrats that were in power at the time made a rule that stated we can vote by proxy. So they didn't even have to be present to vote. So they, they could vote from their home. They could vote from wherever they were at, their car, you know— uh, through their cell phone, whatever. And they changed, they're changing all that. So these people actually, I think what's pissing the Democrats off is they actually have to go to work and they have to show up and they have to vote. You know, the 72 hour uh, uh, period that they get to read bills before they're, they're voted on, that's making them angry because. Guess what? They don't get to fiddle fart around anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's a healthy thing that this happened because our government's not, it's not working. Not the way no, it's supposed to. It's not. I, I, you know, we've talked about it before. I agree. It was a good thing that happened. I think it was uh, it got, the folks who were kind of putting up a, a fight. Gates and Lauren Boebert, et cetera, um, they, they may have attempted to explain what they were doing, but for whatever reason, they were never heard. You know, they were not uh, given any sort of an opportunity to explain what they were doing or why that, that I saw, but I didn't really care because I knew what they were doing just from you know, my own learning about stuff. So mm -hmm. I didn't need to watch it on TV. I knew what they were doing and why. Um, but uh, that stuff needed to happen. And, and his feet needed to be uh, held to the fire because he, he backs things, he backs out of things. He weasels out of stuff, just like most politicians do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we saw the truth of it. 
with uh, Newt Gingrich talking about these people being blackmailers and, and all of that. And Ben, ben Crenshaw, I, I wish Ben Crenshaw would just take over Dan Crenshaw's job. Ben Crenshaw would be better. But, <laughs> By the way, know, he, uh, he met uh, Ben. Dan Crenshaw uh, was up for a committee chair and he got beat out. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That guy shouldn't even be in Congress. He's, he's a bigger phony than Mitt Romney. So we just have too many people in Congress that are not good people. I mean, maybe not even 10%. Not even ten percent are are really good, decent human beings. So, no, um, and and when it comes to our what we're doing, Ron, uh, may, maybe I'm over exaggerating here, but isn't this isn't what we are seeing our government not do the actual threat to democracy and uh, the most unconstitutional thing that we have seen? In a long time, and and oh yeah, and as the people, we, we have to demand better. And I'm not talking about right or left. I'm talking about as a complete body of government, and that th yeah. this is a huge grievance that that we should demand that our government does things by the Constitution. And that is for the betterment of society as a whole. Well, yeah, it, it's the 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 leftists don't really care about the Constitution, and they're really. They're, they're only interested in what their agenda is. You know, they're really not interested in anything that we have to say. We're completely irrelevant to them. So, you know, it's just a sad place that we're in as a country. And, you know, I, I don't know that we have enough people who have the, the cojones to stand up and do something about it. Yeah, we've mentioned that before, whether we have the same um, type of population that would take things to the extreme that the population we had when the uh, Revolutionary War took place. Yeah, and, and I used I, to think we did. Yeah, I did too, but I, I'm I'm getting to the point where um, I don't I'm not quite sure that we do, and and I think that the propagandists in the mass media and the government propagandists are succeeding at their goal, and um, the 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 biggest problem with that is that the, the Republicans uh, aren't fighting back. And so you have the, the 20 people originally that were fighting for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House because of what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. 
and then it ended up being the the terrible five, right? Um, who would not give in and said saying, "Listen, we need to change the rules of the house. We need to allow for, um, you know, the." Uh, the the people so they, they they were elected by their constituents and they want equal treatment they want equal power they want equal say so and and I find nothing wrong with that so we 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 know um because we can see it on social media, we can see it on the internet, we can see it on the news, that Democrats that are elected by their representatives do not represent the people that voted for them. Look at what hap- what's happening in Chicago or in, in Illinois altogether, in New York, in California, in Colorado that we've talked about. Look, mm-hmm. at, look in these liberal states, in, in these big inner cities, in the bigger cities, and and these people are suffering. They're they're leaving. I I met a couple today that are from New York, and they moved down here to Tennessee to get away from the craziness in that state. And they came in to to buy a new uh, uh, refrigerator. And they said, uh, um, we need a new refrigerator because... Our kids are moving from New York down here to get away from that, and we just need more room for food. Well, those people aren't fleeing those areas because they're great, grand, and glorious. They're, they're not leaving those places and moving to Tennessee or, or like you moved to, to Missouri, which, by the way, your attorney general filed a, a co-lawsuit against uh, the Biden administration uh, with Louisiana, or I think that yeah, with Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not leaving those places and, and moving to, yeah, you know, other states for, uh, for no reason. No, that's for sure. And this this AG is well, of course, we've had a change in AGs here because our Eric Schmidt was elected to, to the Senate. So, you know, we do have an excellent AG here, and he's done it. Uh, and I hope the new one does a really good job. This is a good sign that he's kind of picking up where things were left off. But there are several major cases that are uh, moving up the court system that were originated out of Missouri or uh, because we did it in concert with other AGs. So um, that's one of the things that made this place uh, attractive to me. Did, did I tell you that I had that uh, I, I finished construction on the uh, the uh, Barry and uh, Michelle Mybel Obama um, <laughs> subterranean aquarium? I, I it just was finished yesterday. Is that the same thing as a think tank subterranean? <laughs> no, it's a subject tank. <laughs> 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 
That's great. <laughs> yeah, I told the guy putting it in when I was gonna call it. He just that was yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's filled with the same thing as what you know is in well, their heads. Precisely. <laughs> I mean, could you get any more fitting? <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, we do not like those clowns here. No. So. No, and here either. Well, this is America here. I mean, let's face it: Biden and Obama are not American. Well, while we're on the subject of think tanks. And and how empty or or full? I mean, you, you can go either way. Uh, listen to this. This is funny. If I can halt for a second and just say to you, the impact what happened on July the sixth had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand. Hey, Sean. Did you hear what he said? I'm. July the 26th? Is that what he's saying? July the 6th. July the 6th. Somebody out there that was shooting off fireworks two days later than they should have. Oh, Friggin' idiot. Trying to overthrow the country on on July the 6th. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I heard... I I must admit, I missed it. I didn't... I hadn't heard that until just now. Yeah, I'll find some doozies every once in a while. And and here's the thing. I heard somebody say, well, you know, it's easier for older people to get things mixed up. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, But, man, not all the time. Not uh, Listen, I talked to my dad two days ago who just turned 80. And um, <laughs> he, he was more... A cognitive uh you know cognitive awareness and and able to you know i mean way way more if, if you even watch this guy like so the, <laughs> he goes down to the border right and they show uh i don't know if you've seen any of this reporting but he goes down to the border first time in two years and, uh, you know, people were sleeping on the streets in El Paso and, you know. Uh, wait, 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 wait. He's never been to the border before. No, this is the very first time in his in his entire career. Yeah, he I heard went- that on the network. I heard that on the networks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying, yeah, it's the first time in this presidency he's been to the border. And I was like. Wait a second. He's never been to the border. No, yeah, that's see again. There, there, there. You go with the propaganda and the spin. Uh, yeah, he's never been in his entire career. Yeah, I think I sent you an email that his first response when he got to the border was telling Kamala he had no idea that North Korea was so close. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I do remember you sending that. And that, and that I mean, that's probably one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, that he's... that that he didn't even know which border he was on. Not to mention the fact that so I, I'm watching some some video of of his visit, and uh, number one, so they showed the before the before and after side by side of the streets in El Paso, full of trash and 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 people sleeping on the sidewalks and you know all the the illegals and stuff, and then like. A day before he shows up, they clean all that stuff up and they take those people and they put them somewhere. 
I don't know where they took them, but they hit them. And so it's this beautiful street. And and here's the thing, you can you can see points of reference, right? Um that you know it's the same street. Yeah. And then on top of that, I think seven I think there was probably seven around seven people around him while he's, you know, visiting the the wall. And um, six of the seven, I think, were injured while they were walking with him because he was walking so slow that they they kind of tripped and fell on their face. Seriously? <laughs> no, no. Oh. But it, but he was literally. I, I mean, the man can barely walk. Oh, I know. Yeah. And 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 that's why I'm I'm being sarcastic here by but, saying. But they went to the entry point. Why would they even go to the bridge there where they, it's the entry point? Because that's not where the problem is. Well, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't go. So he didn't visit where he he. Uh, so he visited a, a portion of the wall that was built a long time ago, and he also visited a portion of the wall where uh, Trump, uh, the Trump administration, had built the wall. Neither of those places have anybody crossing. Now, granted, I get he's the president, so you have to, you know, you have to keep him secure and 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 guarded at all times. Um, but the least that would have happened was, you know, twenty or thirty or or maybe a thousand would have ran up and and you know all of a sudden started kissing his feet and thanking him for allowing them into the country with with no problem. Um, and then they took him to a holding facility that was empty. Oh, my. Yeah, so that that's how they do things, and it was just a huge photo op. He was there for three or four hours, I think, and then he left. But they showed him, you know, they took him, like they were showing a, uh, they did a, a, a demonstration of a, a, a drug sniffing dog around a vehicle, and then he he kind of jumped into one of the trucks that they use for surveillance or whatever, and and so it was just a, it was kind of like when AOC went to the border and and you know she was she was they took a video of her crying and stuff, and it's like you know you want to talk about lies and deceit, and you want to make fun of Republicans and and. You know, call them whatever it is you want to call them. These are the biggest phonies. They're they're just yeah. phony. And uh, I thought that was that was kind of funny though. Uh, on July sixth, one of the, the worst things ever. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. What? Well, so. Uh, yes, so, well, Are they going to have a committee look into it? Yeah, a special so counsel is going to be appointed. Yeah, July to look 6th, into the July sixth uh, debacle, whatever it was. I don't, I don't even know what it was. So we're kind of on the moron tour today, right? And and speaking of morons, let's let's listen to this little uh, comedy skit. 
We begin with breaking news on Capitol Hill. We're a days-long House GOP deadlock full of tantrums and theatrics dragged on into the wee hours of this morning. California Republican Kevin McCarthy finally getting his hands on the House Speaker's gavel at 1.13 a.m. Eastern Time, now putting him second in line to succeed the President of the United States. But that came only after four grueling days of voting. His less moderate Republican peers putting him through the ringer. Jerry said, she said four grueling days. And, and in this video, they have all 16 or all uh, 15 rounds of voting and the numbers is kind of like an election night type of uh, graphic. So this is the propagandas. Propagandas doing their thing. Round one, yeah. round two, round three, round four, all the way to round 15 where he finally got enough votes. Uh, you know, to, to literally convince people this is like one of the worst things that's ever happened. In a roller coaster of votes for and against him, and on the 15th try, his name finally went up over the Speaker's office. How about your sign? Oh, yeah! All right, turn around, take a picture of that. <laughs> Sorry, hang on, guys, hang on. Easy, easy. All right, that's somebody use my phone. See, that was worth the wait. <laughs> Well, here's a bit more from NBC's Ali Vitale. It's official. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. That was easy, huh? This chamber is now fully open for all Americans to visit. It ends the longest speaker vote in 100 years, a dramatic and twisting political melodrama not seen in the modern era. And now, the hard work begins. We will use the power of the purse and the wow. power of the subpoena to get the job done. McCarthy allies expected him to clinch the speakership on the 14th ballot, thinking they had the votes. A speaker has not been elected. Shock reverberating throughout the chamber. Gates. As Congressman Matt Gates held firm as the man standing in the way of McCarthy's speakership. McCarthy himself begging for Gates' vote on the floor. Congressman Mike Rogers, a McCarthy ally, being held back from lunging at Gates. <laughs> Members pleading with their colleagues, even calling former President Donald Trump for backup. Chaotic scenes we normally wouldn't have seen if usual House rules had been in place. Then, finally, Gates assuring a beleaguered McCarthy before all six holdouts moved as one on ballot number 15. Gates, present. Boebert, present. Rosendale, present. But McCarthy's gavel came at a high cost. Days of negotiations brought a long list of concessions from the would-be speaker to the rightmost flank of his party. One member can now trigger a vote to vacate the chair or oust the speaker. Plus, key spots on committees that have huge say over spending decisions and big sway over what bills make it to the floor for votes. All moves that weaken the speaker and spread power to the Republican rank and file. This will change this House. Let's be very clear. Lawmakers sworn in well after midnight, ready to finally get to work. Wait a minute. Is that a bad thing? That, yeah. that the Speaker of the House doesn't have control over all of the other members? Because guess what? They aren't 
they aren't uh, elected to represent every single district. The, the, the representatives are. The Speaker of the House is just there to, to kind of oversee and make sure the rules are, are followed, right? So, yeah. so what, they re- what, they, what they didn't say and what you should be hearing is that we don't have a dictator like Pelosi dictating to the representatives on how they should vote, how they should spend money, um, and, and creating rules that doesn't allow a representative to represent the people who elected them in the first place. So, so this is all, this whole, this whole thing, in my opinion, regarding this, uh, what they refer to as a melodrama. Uh, they're upset because now the representatives get to represent and they don't like it. They can't control them. They can't, they can't control every single representative. And what's wrong with a rule that says if somebody moves to remove the speaker because the speaker is not um, doing their job correctly and then the rest get to vote. Isn't that kind of how democracy works? You know, we hear that word thrown around so many times and then, and then all of a sudden we see democracy at work and, and we're against it. Yeah. They can't make up their friggin' mind. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is the way it ran before was Pelosi ran things with an iron fist, but she also gave people cover. You know, they didn't have to uh, do things publicly because she gave them cover. She did it for them. Mm -hmm. And the way things will change, hopefully, is uh, that won't be able to happen as much. Um. But they, yeah, they squawk about democracy, and yet they don't seem to have any understanding of what democracy really is or representative government. Um, so, yeah, that's why I just can't stand to listen to them. I just would rather not. And the, and the media people are worse. Um, as you were playing that, I of the of the talking head talking i i kind of flashed back to the old monday night football days when i used to turn off the sound because i couldn't stand listening to howard cosell <laughs> so i would watch the football games and i loved andy don but i couldn't stand howard cosell yeah so i would just turn off the sound and watch the game and and that's basically what I've done to all, almost all media any longer is that they have nothing to say that I'm interested in hearing. And uh, I just will watch the, the cryon down below, you know, for updates or whatever. Right. And very seldom will uh, have the sound on because they're just so stupid. So it's, it's like I watched the news to learn something and I, wind up feeling dumber so just don't 
do it anymore. So anyway. no, but I, I think it's important that um, you know, in regards to our our podcast, to kind of stress the fact that you know when we see these type of things, we're not used to seeing them. So I get where. Yeah. You know, some some misinformed and unintelligent people might go, "Oh my gosh, this is this is bad." You know, uh, specifically the experts and 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 the media. Um, but their misinformation, or mi- you know, them being misinformed and un- unintelligent, uh, carries over to other misinformed and un- unintelligent people. And I don't mean they're unintelligent like all the time they're just unintelligent when it comes to certain topics uh and that we got to see democracy at work and uh you know the strengthening of of our constitution um by allowing you know some some representatives to say listen we're not going along with the status quo anymore and we're fighting for that because mm-hmm. because there are more people Specifically on on the uh, you know center uh, right <clears throat> uh, that we're probably going along with them, going, hey, stand your ground and and fight for fight for us because that's what we elected you for. You know, to be a representative, you're our voice. You represent us, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen our government work correctly in a long time. The way it's supposed to. So, uh, you know, with that being said, I, I, we'll, we'll see, you know, what happens with the new rules in the House. And and hopefully, you know, the, there's more transparency and, uh, you know, they they do their jobs the way they're supposed to. And it was all based on pressure from 20 people. So, yeah. so when we when we talk about what we want to do, which is put together a list of grievances and petition our government, if if now we don't have the same kind of power because you know they're negotiating and and it's because you know this guy wants this position. If twenty people can stand up and fight like that, we don't need that many to do what we want to do. We just need to be loud. And we need to stand our ground and say we're not going away, because they weren't going to vote for Kevin McCarthy until they until they got some of the things that they wanted. And as far as I know, as I know, they got every single thing. Yeah, and McCarthy brought it all on himself. You know, he knew what he had to do, and yet he insisted on having all these votes. And it's like, well, you know. He 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 brought about the melodrama himself. If he didn't want to uh, take that long, all he had to do was cave. Which you know, if he doesn't if he didn't believe in the stuff that he passed, ultimately, then he shouldn't have ever agreed to it. Right. So you know. Uh, it's just like watching sausage to me. If you don't like it, then don't eat sausage. So, well, and if there's a, if there's any consolation, um, I am happy 
even even though I've mentioned before, you know, Kevin Kevin McCarthy isn't you know one of my favorite people, and and uh, you know I think they could have found somebody possibly uh, to put in that position other than him. We don't have to worry about Pelosi. Um, Adam Schiff is gone. Uh, they've all been kicked off their committees. Um, I think Swalwell has been kicked off of his committee. So, that, I mean, from a conservative viewpoint, uh, that's a win. It's a huge win. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have to see those people's faces anymore and hear from them. And and well, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you want to talk about threat to democracy, good Lord, just those three people alone. Yeah, they uh, they sure did a, a grand job of screwing up our government. But it's it's the people that are putting up the money to make it all happen that are the real problem. And they've got their hooks in Republicans too. For certain. I mean, they've got their they've got their hooks in McCarthy. So I mean, Well, so why... and, I, and yeah, yeah, and and I think that's why they demanded what they did. Well, yeah, that's why they don't like him. Mm. You know, that's why people don't like uh, Romney and McConnell, because they're just as corrupt as the Democrats. Sure. So, you know, at least they forced a a few changes. But, you know, we're a long, long way from getting things uh, working properly. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, you know, because of of where we're at and what we've talked about with, uh, you know, due process and, and uh, just compensation and all these things, uh, whether or not we're past the point of being able to accomplish any of that stuff when... You know, what I talked about before, too, continuity of government. (laughs) Is there such a thing? Do we even have continuity of government as we speak? (laughs) I mean, it's debatable. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fouled up. And all three branches are. I mean, it's, 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 it's an intentional act. Oh, it's absolutely. Just, it just shocks me that it has actually happened, you know. So, well, yeah, and, I, and, and how corrupt, you know, the corruption is, you know, and I think you've, you've mentioned this before, that, uh, you know, when, when Donald Trump first ran for, for office, he wanted to drain the swamp, but he never knew the swamp was as bad as it was and uh, what he had gotten himself into. So there was a Wall Street Journal article that came out. <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, the title of it is The White House COVID Censorship Machine. So in March of 2021, 
uh, a guy named uh, Flaherty emailed Facebook, uh, a Facebook executive. And uh, Flaherty, I believe, is uh, a Department of Justice or FBI agent of some sort. Uh, and he said, uh, so the article says he emailed a Facebook executive uh, whose name we've redacted as courtesy with the subject line, you are hiding the ball and a link to a Washington Post article about Facebook's own research into the spread of ideas that contribute to the vaccine hesitancy, as the paper put it. I think there is a misunderstanding, the executive wrote back. I don't think there is a, mis mis there is a misunderstanding, Mr. F Flaherty replied. We are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of vaccine hesitancy, period. We want to know that you're trying. We want to know how we can help, and we want to know that you're, playing, that you're not playing a shell game. This would all be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us. I think that last line uh, kind of re reiterates what you and I have talked about. This would be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us. That sounds like something a mob boss would say. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, is there's a, a big failure of people to not be straight with us, but it's really on the on the side of the government. That's right. I mean, it's it's so, it's, it's incredible to me. Number one, that we have the the Department of Justice and the FBI and. The CIA, all of them, all thirty-five thousand agencies <laughs> that fall yeah. under that fall under that umbrella are are contacting Facebook and Twitter. I mean, there were more Twitter files released uh, day before yesterday, I believe. Um, and and coercing. These people into doing things uh, that they shouldn't be doing, and and why are they tasked with with doing that? There there's some there's some boss of theirs telling them to do these things. Mm -hmm. Right. Who who also has a boss that's telling that boss to have your people do these things. And then there's someone above him and someone above, you know, it's, it, it all trickles down to the, you know, these, these low level employees that are told, you know, by their boss to do that, but somebody's directing them to do that. And, uh, I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is that, um, the people in our country that are unaware of this. And and don't hear these type of things. Um, if they actually paid attention or or had somebody to like us to listen to, or 
if our government was more transparent, uh, a lot of this stuff, we would never even be where we're at. But if we don't do something about it now, it's just going to get worse. Well, yeah, it's, it's just the stuff with the social media is is so late, and that's that's always the case. You know, the people, especially the Marxists, that's part of their whole game is to say, so what if it's illegal or unethical or whatever? We'll do it until we get caught, and we'll keep doing it. And we'll keep doing it until whatever, you know, until the election's over. And then we'll blow it off as a, as a mistake. Or uh, uh, errant, you know, somebody did something they weren't supposed to do. Or, you know, they just blow it off and then they're on to the next thing. So, so what do we do? What do we do? Uh, if we put together uh, a list of grievances and, and we get some people on board and, and let's say that we, we have a clear path to the, the capital and, and to our government and peacefully present them with the grievances. Um, where do we go from there? Well, I don't know that that's a public conversation. No, I'm not saying that it necessarily has to be. But, but let, let's just say that they just go, okay, just for entertainment purposes and to appease you, uh, you know, we're going to listen, and then as soon as we walk out the door, they just all bust out in laughter. Because we have to understand that, uh, you know, the egos of these people and, and the regards that they hold themselves in uh, <coughs> is going to be very difficult to overcome. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, they, the Democrats have, have actually said that the American people are too stupid to know what's good for them. I mean, they don't hide it. So it's that, that's going to be, I, I think that would be just as hard, if not harder, to overcome than it would be to put together a list of grievances, walk up to the the capital or wherever and and say here you go I think it it would be harder for us you know to to get them to look beyond their ego and and uh you know that that we're too stupid and and actually get them to do something Well, yeah, I, I think it, it it boils down to they've got to they've got to realize that they have no choice but to listen. 
So in whatever way, I mean, first of all, you, ha you have to have something that's legit. Mm -hmm. You know, if people are, let's say we put together some list of stuff that is just a bunch of whining. Right. Well, <clears throat> that's not really worthy of getting anything too excited, but if you've got a list of things that are um, really serious uh, uh, violations and serious uh, proposals, then theoretically, there's also enough support behind them for lots of people to support them. It's the old million man march gets a lot more attention than a dozen people. Right. And if if there aren't a whole lot of people in support of it, then perhaps you know, if there aren't a lot of people there to support it, then then the way they're going to look at it is um, well, hardly anyone's here. This not, must not be very serious. But if there's a big buildup, like the trucker thing, you know, where they they there was so much support in the that trucker convoy that they actually closed the roads to the mm -hmm. truckers. You know, mm -hmm. well, they knew the that outfit knew that they had Washington's attention. Well, what I, I guess what I'm saying is that you have to be even bigger than that. You've got to be at a position where they can't block everyone from coming in. That's how that's how serious we all have to be about showing up and demanding that they change. Well, look what they did. It's the old uh, make them an offer that they they can't refuse. <laughs> right. Well, look no, what sorry, they did. Like yeah, but what did they do to the truckers? Well, the truckers turned around and went home. Well, because they were forced to. No. Yeah. So so you have... And here's what bothers me. <clears throat> no, they, they could have actually driven right past those people. They could have driven right over them. And it, but it angers me that they did not. Because they could have, and they would have had the country support them. Sure. You know, it's it's the old uh, go. There, they basically caved. Yeah. When they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And I'm sick of that. I really am. Well, and I was um, yeah, I was getting ready to say the same thing. So we saw. It's, yeah, it's like the guy who's filming in the courthouse, and they're giving him trouble about it, and he's like, "Well, show me the order," mm -hmm. you know. The judge has no authority right. to sign the order yeah. to say you can't film here. He has no authority. Right. Instead of saying, I want to see the signed order, what he needs to say is, I need to see how he has the authority to do this. Right. What's his authority? Well, yeah. he's the judge. You know, he doesn't have the authority. Right. And the and the cops have no authority to keep those people from driving on public streets. They should have just driven right over them. Well, yeah. For for example, the uh, the uh, so in Loudoun County where they had the uh, 
That's they were the Latin counties where they welcome child molesters, right? Yeah. And the, okay. the, the guy who was arrested during the um, city council meeting? Yeah, because his daughter was assaulted by someone that... Yeah, because yeah. Well, he was, yeah, he was. Protector, right? Yeah, the guy okay. did it. Yeah, they covered it. They covered it up because uh, yeah. he was, you know, a protected class of society. Uh, and so he got found not not guilty. And um, but they arrested him for trespassing. That was the charge. <laughs> On public property. On public property. And his Where, daughter is a student. Yeah, and and just so everybody knows, you you can't be trespassed from public property not unless you're committing a crime. Um. So they, you know, they they found him not guilty. They had no choice. And and again, that's that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of. I mean. You, you, Good for him. Did that happen today? Uh, it happened uh, a couple days ago, yeah. Oh, okay. And so now, I mean, you know, he's looking at suing. Um, for, you know, violation of civil rights and all this other stuff. And, and more power to him. I hope he does. Well, well what I want to know is if you... Why, does, why hasn't Loudoun County, like, doxed everyone on that school board... And uh, burned crosses in front of their houses, or whatever it is they need to do. Well, I don't know what it would be. You know but, what? You know, uh, I, I, and you're right. And that's the frustrating part for for folks like you and I. And I've mentioned this before when we talked about the truckers in Canada, and and now we have the people in Brazil. Where, where are the Where are the American? Where is the American public? I mean. I, I don't want to like piss off the Canadians, but they're they're not known for their toughness. You know they're not known to be, uh, you know, stand up against whatever. I mean, they've allowed gun control and all this. Not they're kind of like the Australians, right? Um, they just kind of go with the flow. But they stood up. We we didn't have anybody in America do that. Now you could say you could argue, well, that's what the people on January sixth did. No, that's not, that's not what. No. That that was that was planned. That was a government operation. Boy, that's for darn sure. Period. Um, if it wasn't, why won't they release the? Uh, the footage. Why? Why won't they release uh, all the uh, January sixth committee findings? Why? Why well, is that? Well, that's not an interesting question because now that the house has changed hands, what do you? What do you think they're going to do with all of that? I, it should all be public information. Yeah, I agree. I just wonder if they will. Well, if they don't, I'm going to have an um, uh, an issue with that. And and I I take issue with the Republicans just like I do the Democrats. I'm I'm a conservative, but when they do something stupid or they don't do something at all, or they just kind of you know bend over and you know take it like a man, 
uh, I, I'm going to call them out. And, and that's where I think, you know, we've mentioned where uh, Trump didn't go far enough sometimes. Right. Yeah. Listen, if I, if I was a politician, and it doesn't matter if I was like a representative or a senator or vice president, man, I, I'm telling you, I would, I would, if I was president for sure, which God forbid that would ever happen. But let's just say hypothetically I was. I would preempt every damn show on a nightly basis if I had to, and I would name names. I would like I, I don't give a crap what party they belong to. I would let the American people know this person here is lying to you. They did this, they voted on that, they're supporting this, they got money from this uh lobbyist, they got money from this donor. I would do that every I would make a list. I'd do it once a week. During prime time and even even on Super Bowl Sunday. I'd, I'd cut into the feed and I'd, I'd just start naming names. You want to talk about transparency and democracy? Well, let's call them out because these are the people that are making your lives more difficult and they need to go. And yeah, this is, and this is how they did today. it. Yeah, I heard something today about Joe Biden is not being transparent or something. And I'm and I'm thinking, you know, that's the old same as the. They're such hypocrites, you know. The the Republicans will say that. Oh, they're hypocrites. It's like I don't care what's the name calling all about. You know, Biden. Uh, he's completely transparent as far as I'm concerned. I can tell exactly what he's doing and why. Mm -hmm. I mean. I get where they're coming from with, oh, he's not saying what is real or not disclosing what's going on or whatever. And I'm like, I can tell when he's lying. I can tell when he's misdirecting. He's he's very transparent. You know? Yeah. And, and it's quite sad that he is that transparent. The media is that transparent. I can tell they're lying. For sure. I could have told... I could have told you exactly how the whole trip to the border would be. And by the way, I don't give a crap if he even went to the border. I just care if he is doing things that that demonstrate that he has an understanding of what's going on there and he's doing what he needs to do. I yeah, don't and care he's going to fix it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, exactly. You know, he can't be everywhere and do everything. It's just he's willfully ignorant about it. He, he has no intention of fixing the problem because in his mind there is not a problem. That's that's what's really bad about it is that this whole open society BS is hurting the country and that's that's all he really cares about. You know the the border is being handled exactly the way he wants it to be handled. You know that he didn't need to go down there to, for me to know that. So why don't we just call a spade a spade and recognize that what's going on down there, what is, what is really happening? What is it that they're really wanting to do? And, and not make it in political language, 
But why is it that they're wanting to flood the borders with these people? And oh, by the way, why are there so many people from Venezuela trying to get in this country? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because it's a failed state, you know? They're trying to get away from a, a socialist Marxist dictator who's killed the country. Yeah. That's why they want here. So how have you seen can... have you seen any of the photos out of Venezuela where there's like loads of cash laying in the streets? Like like uh, their currency in bundles. Just all over yeah. because their money's worth nothing. Yeah, it's basically the same as uh Germany was after in the end of the Weimar Republic when the Reichsmarks, the people were papering their houses with Reichsmarks. Yeah, you mentioned that, but I mean, I, I saw pictures of it because they're you know, if you watch some media, they report on things like this, and 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 they're bringing up the same thing that you are, you know, Venezuelans, and and they're actually digging through trash bags on the street for food. And there's yeah. literally stacks of bundles and bundles of cash laying right next to it. And and they it's it's like, you know, that that would start a good fire. I could use that, you know, to help start a, a good bonfire because it's it's literally worth nothing. And and yeah. you can see before and afters of the same, you know, town square or, you know, whatever. Of what it looked like before the Marxists took over, and what it looks like today. Yeah, and Venezuela is a beautiful country. The mm -hmm. people are wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people are. Most countries are. It's just, you know, it, it's really sad to see what has happened there. You know, I remember Venezuela from the 80s. You know, it's not even the same country anymore. And it's just been destroyed by the Marxists. And it started back in the 80s. So. But what do they do? So. You made a thought pop pop into my mind here. What's the easiest way to destroy a country such as Venezuela or the United States. Make every frickin' person in society miserable. And if you walk around and, and you meet people, and, and not everybody, but a lot of people are in misery. We're, we're bitter, we're hateful, we're angry, we're, mm -hmm. we're just literally miserable. And it's one side against the other. It's one ideology against the other ideology. And so, as you've mentioned, it's the, it's the destruction or, or breaking down the fabric of society. Mm -hmm. and, and the easiest way to, to take control is to put everybody against each other and, and we're all in misery. Because, I mean, what is you get to a point where where you and I have gotten a couple of times on this show is what are we fighting for, and and if we do, is it going to make any difference? 
Well, man, if if 340 million people all have the same thought process, how how much easier is it going to be to reach their goal? I mean, <laughs> stupid news. I like to have those little stories that that I that I get. Breaking news. Eggs rationed at U.S. grocery stores. <laughs> I mean, seriously? We went through a, a, a chicken wing shortage. We've Now we go through an egg shortage. And, I mean, my wife and I went shopping the other day. And, and uh, you know, what? we were like, do we want to buy a dozen eggs? It's $7. <laughs> and then, and then I, I took a picture and I posted it on social media of a bag of... Just regular. I I don't know if you like chips. I, I like a couple of brands of chips. I like. Yeah, I saw that. I I just refrained from saying. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, even though I like something, I have to just stop myself and say, "No, Ron." Yeah. I, no. No. I mean, five dollars for a bag of air, because you know when you open that bag, there's like, you know, a little pile of chips at the bottom, and the rest is you know, it's just an inflated freaking piece of plastic that's destroying the the environment um and so you're you're kind of miserable because you go to the grocery store and you can't either either everything like there was no water zero water um bread shelves are, are empty i'm I, you know we went there a couple weeks ago and there was no milk uh, there's no there's no dog food and cat food. Oh, that was the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Literally literally like four bags of dog food on the shelf and the reason those four bags were there was because it was like $50 for the bag. Yeah. And 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 so you create this this whole society of miserable people who are angry and hateful and and then Who's easier to take control of than those kind of people? Well, yeah. That's that's kind of what happened in Venezuela, right? Oh, it's what happened in Germany. Yeah, and exactly what happened in Germany. It's what happened in Italy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a way of manipulating people. And then you get people who want to make a difference well like we are and and uh break down their will to make a difference you know it's like oh no it just just give up it's not even worthwhile well and you know i've been in, in that uh mindset a couple of times um throughout our project here and and then something happens, you know, I, I either have a conversation with you or, you know, I, I look at my family and I'm like, or, or you know, somebody finds out that I'm, I'm a veteran and they say, thank you for your service. And I, I, I was talking to my dad and on uh, Veterans Day this year, I took my wife to, uh, we have a, a pretty good size uh, Veterans Memorial Cemetery not far from where we live. And I took her there, <clears throat> and for someone like me, who who again, I arguably 
and and I I guess I label myself this. Um, there, there's not a bigger patriot. And literally within 10 feet of walking in there, I start bawling. And I see family members who, who have gathered and, you know, other, other people walking around and, you know, they're visiting relatives or, or just there because it's Veterans Day. But I see this, this group of people... Uh, and one's playing uh, at three o'clock. They play taps, and there's a, a so there's regular graves, and then there's some memorials and stuff. And there's a lady sitting there. And I walk around the corner, and um, she's sitting in a chair. I almost kind of ran into her, and I said, "I'm sorry," and, and she said, "No, no problem. I'm just waiting for three o'clock." And she's got a xylophone on her lap. And she said, I'm going to play taps for my brother at three o'clock. And I, I, we, my wife and I were talking about it uh, because I was talking to my dad. Uh, Actually, my wife was sitting there when I was talking to my dad. And and we kind of got on a conversation about, you know, and I've mentioned to you, he's, he's pretty left. Mm -hmm. But I told him, I said, you know, I, I think it should be mandatory that uh, every American on Veterans Day or Memorial Day, it was one or the other, should visit a military cemetery. Uh, because it, 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 it's not only moving, but it gives you a perspective of... What people have gone to, the the lengths that people have gone to, uh, to make sure what you and I are fighting for, which is the Constitution and, and our Republic, to be what it is, so that we don't become a Venezuela. Yeah. And, uh... Those man, people didn't give their lives for things to turn out like this no for sure no i mean not even close you know and 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 a lot of those people um you know and i i talked to my dad about it because you and i have mentioned it on the show i asked him i said when's the last time the united states has won a war and he said world war ii he said we didn't we didn't belong in Vietnam, we didn't belong in Korea, we didn't belong in Iraq and Afghanistan. So that's something we agree on. Well, why did we belong in World War II? Well, I don't know that we literally belonged into it. I think uh we were kind of drug into that war. Well, yeah, we we've been drug into all of. Them. I mean, I guess my point is do those folks really know why the people who served there, because afterwards we learned what was going on. But we didn't know about these death camps ahead of time. Right. Actually, they didn't even exist ahead of time. They did have camps where they had people going and working and stuff like that. But the final solution stuff didn't start until... uh, 
couple of years into the war. So, you know, folks will look at World War II and say, oh, well, we got into that to, uh, to stop the, uh, the Nazis from, uh, you know, killing all the Jews and all. Well, no, we didn't. You know, we did get drug along into that. And I'm, and I'm not saying that we should not have gotten involved. You know, maybe we should have even been involved earlier. But I've heard that from a lot of veterans that, oh, well, we didn't belong here and we didn't belong there. And I'm like, well, did we really belong in World War II? Can, can they, if you ask one of them that question? No, but I, I guess uh, my response is, uh, did we have a choice? Well, I mean, we have a we we yeah. have a choice to get into any war. Exactly. Um. But in World War One and Two, did we really? Would it have been in our best interest not to be involved? I guess I, maybe that's not even the right way to phrase the question. Um. Because again, we were, I, I, in fairness, we were not very involved in World War One, right? And the a lot of folks don't even know why, but you know, Blackjack Pershing was getting pressured for six ways from Sunday to get our our guys into that war really fast and you know he had kicked a, butt, a bunch of butt down in mexico and he looked at, at what was going on in europe and he said i'm not sending my men into battle until we're ready and the battle plans make sense to me and he refused to send his men into battle mm -hmm. And the French and the Brits were up in arms because they wanted us to go put our guys in the trench warfare that wasn't going anywhere. He knew that trench warfare should be extinct, that it made no sense any longer. And he refused to put his men in that situation. And good for him for doing so. I mean, yeah, we had people there waiting and didn't get into the battle and help as, as soon as they could. On the other hand, he didn't waste his men's lives. So that's why he was so popular as a general, was that he cared about his men. If He, he knew he was going to lose people, but he didn't want to lose them willy-nilly. Right. And he also forced the Brits and the French to think about what the hell they were doing because they were, they got all kinds of their own people killed that they didn't need to. It was just completely useless. So he made them change their battle plans. And that made the war shorter. So, yeah, it took him a while to get his troops in because it, because the, uh, generals who were running it all didn't really know what the hell they were doing. They were terrible. 
So he got he made them change, and then he put our guys on the in the battle, and and we all won because it was a better battle plan. You know, I think that's the proper way to get into a war like that, is to say, like like Perot did about Vietnam. First you first you commit the country, and then you commit the, then you commit the troops. All those guys that came back from Vietnam unsupported, that's why, is because the country was not sold on the need to be there. And say Korea, you know, we, I'm just tired of our, our people being spent like there's no value to them. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I would also I add that aren't yeah, we, aren't we, um, Aren't we kind of pressured by, you know, other nations? Sure. That it's our responsibility as Americans and the superpower that we are to to get involved in all these things? When, well, when, when we should be the ones, you know, pushing back, going, why us? Yeah, why, why have Zelensky in front of Congress? That clown, that's exactly what he was trying to do. Oh, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to train Ukrainian troops in in Oklahoma. Yeah. Why? Because he because he asks or demands it. I mean, is it really our responsibility? Listen, I found something out speaking to my father. His grandfather is Ukrainian. His grand so I I knew I know that my grandfather. And grandmother immigrated through Canada uh, into the United States from Poland. But my dad's grandfather was from Ukraine and his grandmother was from Poland. So I, I here I am, a conservative, saying that we, we shouldn't capitulate to every demand that Ukraine uh, is is making and I and I mentioned that to my father and I said listen I I get it we're we're, we're from that part of the world you know through our ancestors I, I understand that um and and I'm I'm very sympathetic towards the Ukrainian people and I'm not saying that we shouldn't we shouldn't help them I said but why are we giving them money why not just you know, sell them what they need to fight a war. Uh, and and you know, why why are we why are we have why are, why is he visiting our country and our our Congress is giving him a standing ovation and stuff? I mean, has that ever happened before? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, if we so so we're pressured. And in this country, in Ukraine's not even a, a NATO member, which again, I, I I don't think I think NATO should be disbanded. I just I, I let them countries, you know, spend their own money on their own defense. You know, why do we always have to be the ones that 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 come to the rescue? And. Um, so I, I would say that a little bit of, of those uh, uh, reasons were because we're pressured by other countries. Oh, please come and rescue us. Yeah. 
Without you, we can't we can't do this. Or without your money. Well, yeah. yeah it, it's supposed to be whether or not there's a compelling national security or, or national interest. Right. Well, sure. And, and, and my question to you would be, what was, what was, what was such a big national security risk to the United States when it came to Vietnam? Well, yeah, I don't think there was a compelling reason to be there. Uh, wouldn't disagree at all. Yeah. I mean, there was a concern about the spread of communism and everything. Uh, the reality, though, is that whether whether we should have been concerned about that or not, we did not fight the war to win the war. So I have a bigger problem with that than I have than I have with the fact that we were there. Uh, because there is a there is a concern about a, a spread of communism or a spread of uh, the uh, China and taking over areas and everything. I, I get why there would be concerned about that. Uh, but uh, what makes me angry though is that we're going into war. And we're not going in to win the war. Yeah. So if we're not going in to win the war, then that's very disrespectful to the troops who lose life and limb, to the their parents who lose a, a child, uh, a, a, a child that loses a parent, you know, I just think that's a disservice to even consider going into a war without being committed to winning it. So Vietnam was really more of a started out as a consulting project, which is how a lot of the wars that we've been involved in are. You know, we go in there and we're consulting, we're, we're providing military consulting where, where the, the companies in there providing uh, information on uh, intelligence. Uh, we've got all kinds of weird ways to get involved in things, but we've got our military people, the military industrial complex, you know, they want to sell arms. Yeah. So... Well, I, mean, you, I guess you could probably say the same thing for Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, you know what was our what was our uh, other than what happened on nine eleven, and and so you you could get revenge or or retaliate, um, without going into a seventeen year war. Uh, and reports are that. Um, that ISIS is coming back stronger than than before, and that's because uh, since Donald Trump left office, what kind of attention are they getting? None, zero. It's kind of like we, we we don't even talk about that region anymore. 
Nope. They're 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 not even a blip on the radar to to this administration. And so, you know, just like they did before, you know, uh, Clinton and Bush, both Bushes, and and Obama, they they don't see uh, any kind of seriousness uh, for them to pay attention to. And and this guy doesn't see anything with seriousness. Uh, so, you know, the reports are that uh, the Taliban and uh, ISIS are regrouping and, and are stronger than they were before. They're probably stronger than they were before because they have all our weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I uh, mean, what kind of a fool leaves, what was it, $7 billion and something like that? Yeah, a, a lot. Yeah, and 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 they're they're actually they've learned uh, uh, what's it been a year almost coming up on a year that we withdrew from Afghanistan. Uh, it, originally they couldn't fly the helicopters and all that other stuff, but now they're flying them around and they're taking joy rides on these things. You know, and I'm sure that China probably went in there. And here's the crazy thing. China probably, <laughs> was it you that said it last show, um, that they, they they know all of our technology and, and what we're building and all that stuff, but yeah. we don't? Yeah. Uh, China probably went in there and, and showed them how to fly them and, and how to operate them and, you know, how to, <laughs> how to shoot... Uh, <laughs> You know missiles. Uh, uh, you know how to w use the the guns and all that stuff. They they probably went in there and trained them. So if we ever if we ever have to go back there, God forbid. And and I, I'm hoping that that's not ever the case again. But if we ever have to go back there, our soldiers are going to be killed with our own weapons. Well, yeah, because of uh, because of a, an idiot. I mean. <sighs> I don't. I don't well, understand. Well, I, don't under, I don't get how we have military who are very supportive of what the military is doing, and and I don't understand that at all. So, in my mind, a hundred percent of our military ought to be up in arms against how we're how the Pentagon is running things. Well, I think you have to. I think you have to uh, come to the realization that our military is politicized, just like every other, you know, um, organization within our government. Like you said, it is. Yeah. you know, Millie, what a joke! And yet. I mean, generals back what? even in what? my day, generals back in my day would look at him and go, "You're a pussy." Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And and I'm sorry for the language, but I mean, literally, that they but would that's say what that. He is, though. That's what he is. Yeah, I, I'm going to call it, the, you know, the way it is. Yeah. And and I would tell that to, to I would say that to him to his face. You know, there's there's probably people that that have listened to our show. They're like, "Oh, these guys." You know, they're they're awful tough on a microphone. Let me assure you that I would say, uh, look, 
I've been in a lot of fights in my life. I've not won every single one of them. And I've gotten knocked down. And if and if I called him that to his face and he knocked me down, which I highly doubt, by the way, up so be it. But he's still going to know that I think he's a pussy. <laughs> Bottom well, line. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah. I mean, we're worried about CRT and transgenders and, and you know, surgeries and all this other stuff instead of readying soldiers for to go to war. But, but, but they're not very hesitant when it comes to sending them to war. And like you said, you know, people dying and, and, and moms and dads losing their children and, and wives losing their husbands and, and kids not having a father or a mother around anymore. They don't care about that because it's not them. But why don't the troops care about it? I think they do. But what are they going to do? I mean, they're getting kicked out because they refuse to get a vaccine. Well, I understand why they're not joining. And I understand why they're not re-upping. And I get why they're being quiet when they've got a year to go or two years to go before they hit retirement or whatever. But it it just seems to me like we have an awful lot of people in the military who are not speaking up. No, and they're the ones. They're the ones who are in danger of of being sent off to one of these places and getting killed for nothing. And you're right because I have some friends that are Marines currently and who have been Marines for pretty much their whole lives. Uh, matter of fact, I've got a friend who, who's a Marine and I think he's got less than 10 years to go before he can retire. And if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't stay in. They, uh, there are a lot of soldiers that don't agree with a lot of things that, that, that come out of our Pentagon and from, from Congress and, and from, you know, the, the executive branch and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've made the comment to several of them that if I was young again and had the option to join the military, I proudly served this country years ago. And I would have gone to war and almost did uh, for this country and the citizens that reside in this country. If I was young again, I'm not quite sure that I'd make that same decision. Yeah. I, I And I mean that with all sincerity. I'm not sure that I would risk my life based on the ridiculousness that we see every day because there are a whole lot of people that i'm telling you i'm not willing to die for where 20 years ago i i would have said something completely opposite yeah there's no way i would go to war now i'm not not for not in our military for anything that Biden was committed to. I mean, there's just no way I would serve in the military now. 
No, and again, I, like like I said, they're, they 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 would uh, they're like me, you know. If I didn't, have, if I wasn't so close to re- retirement, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be in the military. So you got to understand, there's there's probably a lot of people, and then they, you, like you said, they can't reach their their recruitment goals, and you know, um. One one of the conversations I had with my dad was um, he was talking to uh, some people he knew, uh, and one of them was a recruiter. <laughs> and he said, uh, for the Army, which is one of the easiest branches of military to get into. Yeah. He said the recruiter looked at me and said, I, I can't reach my recruitment goals because two things. One is... The people that come and, and and want to join aren't smart enough to pass the test. And he says, I, I've given it to them five or six times. And then the other half are uh, overweight. They can't physically, you know, join the military. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not quite sure if they are doing this or if it was something that he said that they were contemplating. But he's like, I have to send them to a fat camp. And I'm not body shaming here. But I have to send them to training just so they can reach the appropriate weight to join the military before I can send them to basic training. So they literally that I mean they they that's that's part of the reason. And then you have the other part of the reason which is you know today's young men aren't very masculine. True. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't even think Mark I don't think Mark Milley could run from one end of my driveway to the other. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, not, not, I, not, I. He wouldn't. I'm not saying that he would be so. He would be have so winded from it. I don't think that he could. Right. I don't think Mark Milley could run from one end of my driveway to the other. Yeah. And it's not very long. That guy is not in shape. No, he, he kind of. I mean, not that I am. That. I mean, I'm. I'm making fun of somebody like that, and here I am. I can hardly walk. <laughs> well, but, but 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 it's a point that's, that that should be taken seriously because, I mean, it's kind of like the you know the the policemen that are uh, you know hanging out at the donut shop that if they were to try to chase down a criminal, you know they get about two blocks and fall over with a you know a clogged artery or something. Yeah. It just is what it is. It's just the truth. And so, yeah, uh, you know, I saw I saw that kind of uh, thought process and and issues starting to uh, appear years ago when I was in, and and that's part of the reason that I got out. And I, we've we've talked about that before. So, well. A lot of this crap started in the '60s during Vietnam. The the whole uh, politicization of the of the military. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why my dad wanted out. Yeah. 
So, you know, he came back from Saigon and intelligence and uh, then we went up to uh, Omaha and he was at, uh, you know, we were at strategic air command up there. And he would have preferred to go to Omaha, Nebraska, which was our second time there at Omaha, instead of going to the Pentagon and taking a raise, uh, he would have been given an uh, increase in rank. If he would have re-upped for uh, two more years when he had two years left, something, I think that's what it was. Yeah, two years left. If he would have re-upped for two more years and gone to the Pentagon, he would have had uh, an increase in rank ahead of time and retired at a, another increase in rank. Like, nope, I had enough of that crap. I don't want any part of the politics of the Pentagon. Because he saw too many people lose their lives over nothing. You know, and you make a good point there. Uh, that crossed my mind. You know, it wasn't until, I don't know how long they started doing this before I went in, but they used to have reenlistment bonuses. Why would you have to offer someone a reenlistment bonus if they enjoyed what they were doing? It was kind of almost like, hey, and, and I mean, Ron. So there were two reasons that I left the military. One was because of the way it was run. I mean, we were still using World War One and Two equipment and crap like that. Secondly, my MOS was was being deleted, and I would have had gone back to school. I didn't want to go back to school. Uh, and thirdly, I was kind of a rebel, and you know, I didn't have a problem with authority, but I had a problem with too much authority, like <laughs> like like there were officers falling out of the freaking trees. And, and these people didn't, they didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know what they were doing. They were very dangerous. So if you would, if you would have ended up in war, you were like, I'm not, I'm not going into, like you were talking about, I'm not going into war with that person. Right. I don't want that person to be my leader because I'm going to die. Um, I'm not taking orders from that person because they will get me killed. And, yeah. and that was another thing that scared me. But, but. They offered like ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollar enlist reenlistment bonuses. Well, I I don't see anything wrong with that. That's not my point. But my point is, is why why would they have to do that? Is it is it a bribery payment for you to stay? You know they're they're. Yeah. I get it. They're trying to, but why would you need in in why would you need to be incentivized if you enjoyed what you were doing? Well, yeah. I mean, he got out and then I almost had to, to serve there myself. I mean, the, the requirement to sign up for the draft ended just maybe six, seven months before I turned uh, 18. And, you know, I would have signed up. I mean, I would have gone mm -hmm. just because that was the thing to do. Now, there, now that I know what I'm doing, I would look back on it and question. 
mean, I, I still think I probably would have in those days, knowing what I know now. Um, but, you know, when you're 18, you don't really know. You're having to trust society. And uh, I don't trust our society right now on things like that. Um, yeah, and then again, uh, the, the way that veterans are treated afterwards is just... So, you know, that a lot of people look at it as, why would I risk my life uh, or, or being, you know, permanently maimed and injured for the rest of my life to be treated like a dish rag? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of reasons, but, but I think, you know, the biggest part is the politization, 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 uh, Politics. <laughs> politics, politics in the military, politics and everything. Yeah, and and even in our military, which there should not. I mean, there's always there's always a political aspect to, you know, almost everything that we do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even in private life, there's always sure. you know the backroom politics and all that other stuff. But I mean, you, when you're doing that and playing with people's lives, that's a different, that's a whole different ball game. Well, and my concern with the military now is the same concern I have about the country. And and actually, I needed to stop about 20 minutes ago. I've got to go. Um, the, uh, the concern that I have isn't so much that it's politics. Because, you know, we used to talk about, oh, you don't lose friends over politics. You know, you don't, you know, you, people have their political views, fine. It's not, we don't have political differences in this country. We have a philosophical difference. And until people realize that that's really our problem, then we're not going to get anywhere. So we have a, a, a country formed on Christian fundamentals, and no, not everyone has to be a Christian, what have you. And if you're not a religious person, then at least living by the old do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule sort of thing, that's a great way to get along in society. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have a philosophy that is anti-religion and anti anything to do with treating people that way and everything is undermine 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 they're not trying to build a society they're trying to tear a society down and that's just what marxism is yeah um, the, pro the problem in our country is we have the marxist philosophy is taken over how our government operates mm -hmm. and that is a secular way of operating there is no god god is the political party and the government in marxism yeah and it's high time we realize it that we do not have an argument going on between republicans and democrats we have an argument going on 
between people who believe in God, people who believe in treating one another properly, and people who are Marxists. They want to change the system to the same way things run in other countries. Yeah. Where, where those people are fleeing their countries and trying to get across our southern border right now. That's how good Marxism works out. Well, and so I think uh, with that being said, that, uh, you know, President Trump, uh, when he first ran, and I believe the second time, actually received more of the Latino vote than anyone in history. If at least yeah. not in the Republican Party. And the reason being is because those people know what they left behind. They certainly don't want it to occur here. And and I think the, the Democrats are making a um, uh, a big mistake uh, in believing that, uh, you know, because they've lost a lot of the black vote. The, so they're going to try and replace the black vote with the Latino vote. And most of the Latinos or, or Puerto Ricans or whatever that I know are not Democrats and are very outspoken, uh, uh, you know, in support of conservatives and Republicans and literally have, have sworn never to vote for a Democrat. Uh, mainly because they, they know what they left behind. They certainly don't want to come yeah. here and experience the same thing. Especially folks who have left Cuba. Yeah. Yeah, the Cubans most definitely. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll have comes. to see how that, that plays that's out. Just, mm -hmm. my, just my opinion. That we have no, and it's a, it's a great point. Yeah. And so, um, I need to, yeah, we're going to go ahead go. and end it. But I want to end uh, with a... Uh, some some prayers, condolences for uh, Lynette Hardaway, otherwise known as Diamond from Diamond and Silk, who passed away. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, pretty tough. For uh, a young person, 51 years old, and a staunch conservative and supporter of Donald Trump, but a very great person. Yeah. So, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it with that. And, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. All right. Bye bye.